0: And we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I am your host, Owen, joined again today with my illustrious number two, Marvin. How you doing, man? Oh, you know, I'm alive. How about you, bud? Uh, I can echo that sentiment. I, I am definitely alive and, and breathing for the most part.
1: Nice! So,
0: <laughs> um, and we have a fun episode lined up again today. Uh, no guest. Uh, You know, we've had quite a few of them lately, it feels like. Uh, even had our first returning guest, but uh, it's just going to be us. Uh, again, it's it's nice to kind of have a return to form. I would say
1: try not to be too too disappointed, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll line up more in the future for sure. But it's it's good to I don't know. I, whenever we set up the show initially, I kind of really wanted to have a lot of guests on the show. So you know, while I don't mind having just us, um, you know, it's something that like I, I do want to to always kind of keep an eye out for for people who are you know interested to talk to.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think we went too long. Without having guests, and we kind of just needed to make up for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. So uh, you know, and so we'll keep an eye out. You know, there's a few people out there that I definitely have been keeping an eye on for you know folks that I think I will ask in the nearest future. Uh, nice. So we'll see, or maybe we'll get some more returning guests on. You know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure maybe uh, we can get some others uh, to come back, assuming that we haven't scared them all off. I know Rob had mentioned he would be interested, so.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think we could get some, uh, some original run guests to come back, too.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and we still have to get, like, Nick on and stuff, and, you know, so we we got plenty of people.
1: Do um, we have to get Nick?
0: I mean, we talk about his character a lot. I feel like it'd be disingenuous not to get him on at some point.
1: I think it's more fun this way.
0: <laughs> just have him. Have other No, it's like you build somebody up for for too long, and then, like, they'll just never live up to the hype.
1: That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's actually super fair.
0: So, like, we gotta get them on before, like, you know, it gets too much. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, and if I check correctly, I think this is gonna be our 21st episode since the relaunch, so we'll officially be able to have alcohol. I think that's how that works. That's sick. <laughs> I, I don't think that's technically how it works. Uh, well, I guess if we were doing annual releases, but that would be, be not a great plan for, for anything, really. So, <laughs> um, I mean
1: if we count each episode as a year who's to say we're not
0: I don't like where this is going
1: <laughs> listen when it's about us and we make the rules we can do whatever we want as long as nobody gets hurt and we're not hurting anybody
0: that's are we? I feel like we might be uh how i don't know there's probably some convoluted chain
1: well that sounds like it's not my problem
0: <laughs> well nevertheless um so <laughs> we had uh, we had a fun topic uh, kind of come up a bit organically in our conversation a bit earlier today uh, over text message so uh, so what are we what are we talking about
1: uh today because of my character in our 5e game we're going to be talking about homebrew spells.
0: Ooh, exciting. So this is something that probably doesn't come up all that often uh, if you have a heavily martial campaign. So uh, have you had any players come to you with the uh, original spells?
1: Um, no, not unprompted. Mm-hmm. However, if you recall, when I was making that homebrew system, I did have you guys make a whole bunch of things.
0: Oh, I vaguely recall this.
1: And they weren't spells for the martial things, but martial characters did have a magic-like option that used weapons based on... Like a
0: maneuver, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, They were called Arts because I really love the Namco Tales series, and that's what most things are called in Tales games. And yeah, I had you guys make a whole bunch of those.
0: Okay, uh, but it's not exactly like a custom spell necessarily. It's more like I need to populate this category of of uh, item in my game, and I need people to come up with like the basics.
1: Custom enough? You guys did make them up.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Um, so I guess technically, if someone was playing like champion or something, would you allow somebody to come up with a with a custom maneuver?
1: Uh, yeah, probably. I I don't see why not as long as I think it's balanced, and uh, that is one of the things we're going to be talking about.
0: Yeah, um, that's tough to do, to be honest. Oh yeah, so. but you know,
1: Wopsy has enough trouble with that. We might as well add to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so I know this as far as like custom spells. I think you're the first time to- you were the first player to ever bring a custom spell to me. Um, hmm like in in the past like I've done custom spells by like modifying the damage type um or like mm-hmm. the aesthetics um that's something I've definitely done in the past
1: which we have also done on my character
0: yeah yeah and it's something that I've even done for my own wizard um even when I was playing like for Tracy's game um mm-hmm. who,
1: who... right you had um what was it earth and grasp and it was uh skeleton
0: hands yeah yeah you know and like, like that's not exactly a custom spell but like it's similar Right.
1: It's, uh, it's a variant of a real spell that doesn't normally exist, so I, I consider it a customized version of it, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, like, you know, it, because of that, there's, like, certain connotation that, like, other characters in the universe might draw from that, so, like, I've definitely done that in like, NPCs would say, like, oh, Infernal Magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, like, it's always a nice little touch, you know, it, just because uh, you know, it'd be boring if it's, like, oh, it's just, you know, sure, like, cast and grasp like if i was a you know, transmuter mage and i did that it would be a little bit of a different situation mm-hmm. um but i think you're the first person to ever come to me with an outright original spell and say hey can i take this and i don't know if that's just because i don't have a lot of wizards in my campaigns very often or if that's just because it's a very daunting task to design a spell from scratch
1: um Probably some combination of the two. But I do have to tell you that it is not my original idea. Um, I saw it online and said, this seems like exactly the kind of thing Gris would have. Okay. Um, I think it was on Reddit or something like
0: that. I mean, that's a good um, place to look for custom stuff. Because uh, like, I know that like nowadays you can share... Um, custom spells and stuff. I know like a lot of them are busted, so I think like, if I were to to brew a new spell, I might... If I don't know what I want necessarily, I might look around online for inspiration for like different things that other people have done, and then mm-hmm. maybe look for ways to tweak the numbers on those to make them more in line with what I might consider appropriate, uh, given what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah! I mean, there's accidentally a whole bunch of resources for it, of people just sharing what they're trying to do with their custom stuff um i wish i had saved the link because i found this months ago and um and had asked you about it then but it was it's been a while since our last level up so i haven't been able to take it um but if i find it we'll put it in the show notes where i found the original
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, I think you sent a screenshot of it, but I don't remember exactly if you sent me the Reddit link or not necessarily. Um, so, do you want to share what the spell is? Because I feel like we've talked around it a fair bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, this spell is called Cinder Speak. It's a 4th level evocation spell. It has a casting time of 1 minute, and it has verbal, somatic, and material components material component is a pinch of salt from a previous fire at the target location that the spell consumes. This is raw. We're changing it for us, but that's how it was written originally. Um, And the description is as follows. You create a communication link between two sources of flame, such as a campfire or a fireplace. The burning coals, firewood, or other fuel animates with the speaker's visage. The face of a creature speaking into the flames at one location is seen and heard by the recipients at the other end. The flames must both be non-magical sources of fire at the time of casting, and at least one must be within 10 feet of the caster. Until the spell ends, any number of creatures within 10 feet of each fire may speak through the link. The spell has a duration of concentration for as long as the flames last. If the fire at either location is extinguished, For any reason the connection severed and the spell ends. A spell enables creatures with an intelligence score of at least one to understand the meaning of the conversation. You can converse across any distance and even to other planes of existence at higher levels. If you cast a spell using a spell slot of 5th level or higher, a magical fire will spring to life at the other end of the spell and last for the duration. If you cast a spell using a spell slot of 7th level or higher, The fires and the link at both locations become permanent, no longer requiring concentration until the magic is dispelled either willingly by the caster or by other magical means.
0: Nice. And I feel like the the upgraded, uh, the upcasts on that were something that we had discussed previously. Um, I don't think those were necessarily in the original, were they?
1: I think the 7th level upcast was one that we had tweaked, because they were both there, but i think the 7th level one was very different than uh what it is now.
0: Yeah, so so this is an interesting spell. I think it serves a very practical purpose. So whenever a player comes to me about like hey, i want to cast it. I want to take a new spell. Um how, what's your approach on it? Like do you need them to like research the spell ahead of time? Uh how do you take that?
1: Um it kind of depends on their character. And the source of their magic. Because um, like. Also like a sorcerer. They don't. They don't do research like that. The magic just comes to them. Um, So like. I want to make it. That you know. It depends on the character. Usually. But also. If there's a wizard and a sorcerer in the party. And the sorcerer can just take those spo- those spells. Spontaneously. I don't think it's fair to make the wizard work harder for it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess when I say research, I'm not saying like you need to do like spell slots or whatever, but like, do you try to like work it into like the time leap, like proceeding to the level up for instance? Um... So like, for instance, like let's say in, in the instance of this spell, I might mm-hmm. say, okay, sure. We know you're going to take it on your next level up. Maybe just throw in some role play of you kind of fiddling around with the idea, right? Just so that we know that it's something that you're kind of rolling around. Maybe collect some ash from a campfire, you know, after one night or during your your nightly role play. Just make a mention of, you know, like I'm going to try and fiddle around with some magic and see what I can do. Um, yeah,
1: that that makes sense. I I generally don't really care, but also ninety nine percent of the time they don't know what they're really doing for their next level up in my party, so we can't really plan for it
0: Mhm, yeah, and I feel like in this case, like had I remembered that you were going to take this spell, I would have like encouraged you to do a little bit of that um, but like I think like I don't think spell research is like unique to wizards necessarily, like for instance, let's say you're playing a, a sorcerer who wants to practice this ability you know, or pick up this spell, for instance, you could probably do the same thing um, as a sorcerer. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to, like, have the book smarts, even though the source of your magic's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, as, a, as a, uh, a cleric, you maybe are praying to your deity or something.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: You know, seeking inspiration that way. Th- those are, you know, maybe, like, praying over a campfire, depending on your deity. Uh, things like that. So, uh, you know, like, I kind of use, like, a broad... A broad definition of, like, research, air quotes.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
0: But, I mean, as you mentioned, because the, the downside there is you kind of need your players to, like, have an idea that they're going to do this ahead of time.
1: Yeah, and, you know, if they don't, you can't really do anything about it. mm
0: mm-hmm. Just... Well, if they're going to take a custom spell, like, they have to run it by you ahead of time,
1: right? Oh, yeah, but, you know, we don't have a whole lot of experience with this, either of us, because... This is literally the first custom spell I've ever actually had experience with in a game that I was in, let alone running.
0: Mm.
1: So, I mean, if they wanted a custom spell, I would have to okay it. And I think they know that.
0: Gosh, I would hope. (laughs) Someone just rolls up, alright, we're doing level ups, they just write down their character sheet, like, next combat session, like, alright, I'm gonna cast Kamehameha. Just like, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's right here on my character sheet, level 5.
1: When did we turn into Fortnite? (laughs) Uh, I don't like Fortnite in my D&D, thank you very much.
0: Well, it's a shame, because you were getting it in your Magic the Gathering, so...
1: Yeah, but I don't play that game anymore.
0: You're you're getting your Magic the Gathering in your D&D, so... There go, Fortnite in D&D.
1: I don't like this anymore. I'm quitting D&D.
0: All right, well, you know it's been it's been nice having you.
1: It was fun. Show's over, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah well, no, I mean, you can leave the show. I'll take applications for new hosts.
1: No, no, <laughs> I'm shutting us down.
0: <laughs> You're just burning it down all of it, just deleting all yeah. the accounts, just deleting everything.
1: yeah, sorry,
0: that'd be unfortunate.
1: This name was my idea. uh, you can get a new name.
0: What? No, this name was my idea. I was the one who pitched it. No, no. (laughs) You can't do that. That's.
1: (laughs) You can't prove that I didn't come up with it.
0: Yes, I can. Nah. I got receipts. I got receipts. I don't believe you. Uh, I'll find them. I'm sure I can subpoena my own text messages. (laughs) Surely they're not gone forever.
1: (laughs) You'd be surprised. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to do it. I, I know that, like, looking at a spell like that, though, it's kind of difficult. Because I know, like, when it comes to balancing spells, it's a little bit easier to to do it for damage-dealing spells, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if someone comes to you with a spell, like, what are some of the things that you're looking at as far as balance is concerned?
1: Um. Well, obviously, for damage-dealing spells, I'm going to be looking to see that it doesn't do... Significantly more or less damage than other spells of its level, mm. and the same would go for like transportation kind of spells, like um anything that teleports for any reason i'm I'm not gonna want it to go significantly further than other teleporty kind of things at that level
0: mm-hmm. what if um, it's like so what if it does go further, but it's a lot more restricted in use
1: farther is fine. Like I'm talking like significant differences. Like unless unless it's like Step Into Shadow, where you have to be in a shadow. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm I'm not gonna want something that's, say third level to go 200 feet. Well, second level, because I think there is a third level spell that goes 200 feet. There might be. At least that's how I think I would go about
0: it. Because you know, like I said, first time for everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of presuming this is, like, first instance, right? Mm -hmm. So, for me, there's a couple things that I'm looking at, at least. Um, Definitely, I'm checking for damage-dealing spells, kind of comparative damage. I'm okay with certain spells doing more or less damage, but I want it to make sense, you know, principally. So, if someone's like, yeah, here's my new second-level spell, and they're, like, 5d8 damage or something, this is a lot higher than, like, what I would expect from a second-level spell, realistically, right? Because, like, even for some of the, like, heftier second-level spells, you know, you might mm-hmm. get, like, a similar quantity of damage, but it's over multiple turns.
1: Right. It's not generally going to be all at once.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not going to be all at once, for sure.
1: Like, I think... Maybe maybe require a concentration check or something.
0: Yeah, like, there has to be some balancing or mitigating factor. It could even be something as simple as, like, just the, the material components are hard to come across.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um... Because, like, when I think of, like, damage, right, like, the thing that comes to mind is, like, Minute Meteors is maybe the first, like, damage-dealing spell that, like, seems to do, like, a fair bit of damage despite, um... Actually, no, I think that's a third-level spell, isn't it? Minute Meteors. Um, I think it might be. You
1: might be right.
0: Yeah, but nevertheless, so, like, a spell, like, Shatter, I think, is, like, the quintessential, like, second-level damage-dealing spell, right? Mm -hmm. It has, has utility, but it deals, like, 3d8 damage. So... You know, or like scorching ray—that's uh, the one I think. Of, the other one I was thinking of, like where it's like, yeah, each of the rays does two d six damage, but you know, generally speaking, you know, yeah, you could do it all at once, but it's you know, that's still a lot, sixty six, but it's three different attack rolls, so you have a fair, fairly good chance to miss on some number of those.
1: Yeah, it's it's not guaranteed once you make it the first time.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, like, by and large, most of the damage-dealing spells at level, you're talking about, like, 3d8 damage, 46 damage. You know, it's really not that much overall. Yeah. So if someone's coming to me and they're like, yeah, I want to, you know, we're just gonna use Kamehameha, I guess, for a shorthand, but, like, I want a Kamehameha as a second-level spell, and it's gonna do, you know, 5d8 force damage, and it's like, um... Well, let's, let's
1: rework that number
0: yeah yeah Like maybe you can upcast it to get there because like, that's I think an important part of the process too right you want to collaborate with your DM mm-hmm. so it's like approaching them and saying here's my idea for a spell here's how I want, would like to do it um, or maybe the player doesn't have necessarily like a clear um, picture on exactly what the mechanics would do but they have an idea for what it would do like in role play or in like essence basically Right. So here someone's like, I want to do a, I want a beam. I want a Kamehameha beam that I can, like, I wanna fire. Do,
1: I want to do a Kamehameha. It's a, it's a beam beam, and I can sustain it for some amount of time because that's how it works, and it can clash with other beams.
0: Yeah, and, like, that's a challenge. Like, the clashing part definitely is challenging. Uh-huh. Um, And I would almost go as far as saying that, like, Maybe that could be like a class feature or something like maybe, you know, or maybe like feet or something. Because like, realistically speaking, at that point, you're doing like the spell might be doing too much unless we're doing like Mm -hmm. a particularly high level. And if it goes too high a level, it's not super helpful.
1: It could maybe be part of the upcast.
0: Maybe that would be an unusual upcast, though. Typically, when you're upcasting, it doesn't change the casting time of things.
1: Yeah, but how cool would that be?
0: Yeah, maybe. So, um it would have to be like in particular circumstances though, right?
1: Mhm.
0: Um so it's like so here you're you're thinking like, okay, Kamehameha, I, player's coming to you, let's say they're they're some sort of like, you know, sorcerer or some sort of wizard or something. Like, I want a Kamehameha beam. Mhm. Um depending on what level they're starting is probably where I would start. So, Let's say they're you know relatively low level. How would you start that?
1: Well, honestly, my first step would be: Do you want to be able to cast this?
0: <laughs> well, presumably, right? If I'm if I'm bringing Listen. a spell, surely I want to be able to use it. Listen, they don't always. <laughs> I just want the spell to exist. Like, I'll get it eventually. I just want it to. I just want to know it's going to be there for me.
1: Like, like, do you want to? Do you want to be able to cast this? Tomorrow. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. do you want do you want this to
0: happen now? Well, maybe next level up because, like, I think it would be weird to add a spell to the spell list like without a level involved.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So now we're gonna get into like, do you want it to be more powerful than other things? If yes, why and how do we restrict it? Okay. Um. Because if it's going to do, like, let using your your number example, 5d8 as a second level spell, being cast as a second level spell, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, I would feel like you'd almost, like, to me, if I'm going to, like, amp the damage up to be, like, strictly better than, than, like, other options, I would go, like, at most, maybe, like, an extra dice over. So, if I know that, like, the maximum air quotes damage for for a, uh, second level spells like 3d8s, like maybe 4d8, or yeah. you could roll back the, um... Because another way to, to to toggle these numbers, by the way, is, remember, you can always take a dice and roll it back to a smaller dice, but increase the number, so that the minimum damage is higher. Yeah. So, for instance, maybe instead of saying, well, I want to be, I want to be a strong, strong spell we could say, okay, well, maybe instead of doing, you know, 5d8s, because that's way more than what the spell could do at the second level, maybe instead we can say, well, maybe it does 4d6. So, as far as, like, maximum damage is concerned, um, that's still a fair bit. You know, you're talking, what, uh, 24 potential damage with a minimum of 4, comparative Mm -hmm. to... uh, so, you know, 3d8s, which, you know, 8 times 3 is uh, 24. So it's the same amount maximum, but your minimum mm-hmm. is higher by 1, which means your average damage is going to be a little bit higher on average.
1: Yeah. So that is one way to tweak it, and I think that's actually really good. Um, because, you know, it it's supposed to be a powerful thing. Like, the reason they finish a lot of fights with it is because it does... Hit real hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely does that thing. So if we're so let's just assume for a moment my player is like, no, I don't want it to do just twenty-four. Like that's that's weak sauce. I want it to be able to like hit like a truck.
1: Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Uh at that point, I give it a longer casting time. Is that's the first way I go to balancing this at that point. If you want let's say you want it to do like max 30. Right? That's that's going to KO the vast majority of third level characters, right? Mm-hmm. Just one shot most third level characters. I'm going to make it, you know, full round or two consecutive turns, maybe. Um just just I don't because think there like are
0: already full round action spells in 5E are there.
1: Um I
0: like straight up. I think all of them are either cast time one action, or, or they take a a, minute.
1: an amount of time.
0: I think a minute is typically what it is. After that,
1: uh, yeah, that sounds right. But
0: but we're making something spe- custom. I don't have to follow the rules. <laughs> it's not the special beam cannon, right? It's <laughs> it's a, a commando. Yeah?
1: yeah, the special beam cannon takes a whole minute. I would I would do that flavorfully. That one has to take a whole ten rounds to charge, and you can't start it early.
0: <laughs> can't start it early, can't move while you're doing it?
1: <laughs> I would maybe be lenient and let you use half movement per round.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then you're also concentrating on it the whole time, so every time you get tagged, you have to roll your concentration check. Exactly. That, that's that's pretty rough. Um, but I guess you could continue to take your actions while you're charging it up, right?
1: Yeah, Probably
0: so. But probably not casting spells, that I would say, no. Because then you would yeah, drop your no, concentration.
1: Definitely not casting spells.
0: But if you want to um, monk it up, do some fisticuffs, right?
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, I, would, I would increase the casting time because that's something we can just do when we don't have to stick to the rules of 5e, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just make it take longer to do it.
0: That's interesting.
1: Because, like, yeah, it can, you know, one-shot, but maybe you could have done two Scorching Rays in that time, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: See, that's interesting that you'd say it that way. Because to me, like, I would, like, when I'm brewing spells, I want it to remain consistent within the system that I'm using. So if, generally speaking, we don't use full round actions in, um, in 5e, I wouldn't develop a spell that does that. Instead, I would find some other way to tweak it, kind of within the within the confines of the rules. So for instance, I might say it's concentration up to a minute. Mm-hmm. And so like, for instance, like for the casting time, I might say concentration up to a minute. And the player, you know, basically on the first turn, you can start concentrating on it, and then any subsequent turn you can release it. And then maybe uh, from there it'll do its damage. So you know that there's always at least a one turn delay, but you can kind of start charging it ahead of time. Um, I don't know exactly how I um, would word that, but something along those lines.
1: I mean, mechanically, that's basically the same thing. Um, because, you know, you're not getting it off that first turn, and if you... Well, yeah... It's mechanically the same as the, for example, it takes two actions, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily the, the full round, but when I said maybe it takes two full rounds, that's mechanically the same as that, except, you know, you have options.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if I was brewing something like this, I probably wouldn't put that sort of restriction on it in the first place. I would try and mm-hmm. develop it as a one-action spell. And then, if the player wants it to be more powerful, I would channel that desire into upcast variants.
1: Sure.
0: Because um, to me, like that's what I, the compromise that I would make. Like... I'm going to give you a like standard version of your level two ver- of your level two spell. So it's going to mm-hmm. be your, you know, your 3d8 damage or maybe even your, your 46 or your 5d6. Right. If we want to be like spicy, um, you're just
1: 64. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Our sixty fours, right. Um, so I'll, I'll let you get your, your, your damage down. Um, but if you want it to be like super strong, I'll give you the option to upcast it, right? You can cast it as a third level spell or a fourth level spell and add maybe an extra two d four damage per level that you sink into it, so that it maybe mm-hmm. it scales faster than maybe other spells that are similar. Um, sure. But then at that point, I'm also making it more hit or miss because for for command, man, to me that reads attack roll, right? That doesn't necessarily yeah. read saving throw.
1: Definitely does not to me.
0: Um. Although, interestingly enough, it could be attack roll, but if you do roll it as a saving throw, it would be more in line with other line um, attacks, where like other targets that are within the line can save to dodge out of the way.
1: Yeah. Um. But, like, the command man just kind of hits a guy and then stops there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if it keeps going, it takes them with it and, like, just blows through people anyways. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'd even want it to work like other lines.
0: So would you say in this case, right? Like for, for the Kamehameha, like, cause the thing is like, it is a beam. So obviously I can't shoot it around other people necessarily. Um, yeah, you know, technically Goku could move it, but like, regardless, we'll say that like, this is a beam that I'm firing at a guy. If I have an ally in the way, I shouldn't be able to just fire it with impunity. Right.
1: That's true um so you hit them it doesn't go around people just if they're in the way you hit them and it stops there
0: so are you saying that like basically it's a line it's a line attack but it doesn't go through people necessarily so uh how what's the range on it 150 um, or something i mean
1: it was a pretty long range attack i'd probably do something like that
0: or 300 that's what
1: hold on what's the range hold of
0: blast i feel like that's your like comparative right I think Eldritch Blast is um,
1: sixty feet before any of your. Uh...
0: No, it's longer than that. One hundred twenty. One hundred twenty. That's like twenty-four squares.
1: Why is Eldritch Blast twenty-four squares?
0: <laughs> because you got the, hold on you a second. You have that patron sugar daddy.
1: Hold on a second. Why do I use anything else?
0: I don't know. I was using it all last session.
1: I can kite 24 squares? That's toxic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, that's, that's something else. Anyways, um, back to it. So, when it comes to this, maybe I would say like 120 feet to be in line with what other spells do. They're like kind of of that same. Because generally speaking, like spells don't tend to go much further than that. Right? Um... For I'm a struggling to second level spell, I might
1: it. even go a little bit less. I might honestly go a little bit less, because like most damage dealing third level spells don't go that far. Mm-hmm. I I would probably go even less than that.
0: Well, what's like Scorching Rays range? 60 feet.
1: Uh that sounds right. Let's see. Uh Scorching rays, 120 feet too. Okay, why don't I use these spells? Anyways, (laughs) yeah, let's just go... Let's just... Alright. I've got it. Alright? Because it doesn't have to attack more than once, we'll give it... I don't know, 80 feet of range. Because, you know... You don't get to make three attacks, but you can't target three things. It's single target, one time. So it's going to be slightly less range... Because it's less versatile, um, but has higher average because you're hitting with it without hitting three times. Mm -hmm. So let's go like 80 feet because 60 is apparently way too short. But I wouldn't want it to be as long range as something that's doing less damage on average. Mm -hmm. This is difficult. Now I know why I don't do this.
0: Well, I think it's easy to do if you want to, like, not give it much thought, right? Um, but if you're trying to, like, actually balance it out versus, like, what other spells do, like, that's when it starts to become difficult. So, like, for me, if I were to, to do it just kind of um, off-rip, I would probably go with, the with like, a d6. Because I feel like for this sort of spell, like, you want it to have, like, a decent-sized damage dice anyways. Sure. Um, I know that Scorching Ray does 6d6 total, over three different attacks, I'd probably say that I would average it out to like four d6 because you don't hit with every ray; you usually miss with one or two. Um, sure. So I would say like Kamehameha forty-six damage, and then you know maybe it scales decent, right? An extra d6 or something uh, per hit, or maybe the damage dice goes up with uh, higher levels instead of uh of adding extra dice. Um that's another option that you can do to kind of tweak the numbers a little bit. Um, but either way, um, I know you said 80 range. Um, I kind of like it having just the even hundred, but you know, that's just 100's fine. Um, so I think
1: just being less ranged than something that is doing less damage on average is, is what I really care about. It doesn't have to specifically be 80, you know? Yeah.
0: I can understand what you mean by that. Cause like, you don't want it to be just strictly better than everything. Yeah. Like, you want some longer-range spells to have utility. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. And given that, I could even see it being less than that, 60 feet. Um, But just, like, being comfortable and knowing that this is going to be a powerful... Like, it's going to punch like a truck. And then from there, I would say, okay, um, how do we actually adjudicate the damage? Now, I think the easiest way is just making a line and then make them save against it. The more interesting way, if you want to do, is you could say it's an attack roll but you, it needs to be a target that you can see. And, you know, and then if they have cover, then, you know, you just roll as they have cover, basically. Sure. Um, and then just kind of roll it that way. Because the thing is, too, is, like, I don't think that, like, I-, I could probably utilize cover in my game a little bit more frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, honestly, we don't have that many range attackers, if I'm being honest. So, honestly... It's kind
1: of just me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, like Andrew
1: doesn't do his um his actual like attack roll attacks too much anymore.
0: Yeah, well, he also has um his uh, wand, which I think lets him ignore cover.
1: That's gross. Can I rob him?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> so I mean, this doesn't sound like a question for me. It sounds like something you should try and find if it works out or not. Um, <laughs>
1: I don't like that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so I guess I would do it probably that way. And then from there I would start to look at like how to scale it with higher levels. And that's the way I would try and help the player feel like it's like more interesting. So if they want it to be able to like punch like a truck, I would say then maybe you could uh, bump up like with a higher cast, you can increase the casting time, you know, increase the, the, uh, the duration to concentration. And then for each round they concentrate, you add like an extra dice of damage or something.
1: Maybe three d6 and every round is an extra d6.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Because even though like the damage like per round is not as good as just like cantripping necessarily, um, you do get to kind of have the added benefit of conserving your spell slots. Mm-hmm. See, like that's one of the things too, is like lower level spells are hard to balance because the reality is that they get outstripped by cantrips by like the mid to high levels. Yeah. Like come on, like this isn't even a comparison. I'm talking here like, ooh, you could do 3d6 or you could maybe bump it to 46 with an extra round. Like meanwhile, 12th level character, you're casting a firebolt for 3d10 damage per round. And it's like how can you even compete against that? Like you need the spell to be doing other things in order for it to even be relevant. I think that's part of the reason why you don't see a lot of like exclusively damage dealing spells at the lower levels until you get mm-hmm. to third level. Um like every other damage dealing spell of that range has some other benefit to it beyond just dealing damage. Either it has an extra ability, it can split the damage in a novel way, it can, you know, do something else. It isn't just damage.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could make this a cantrip.
0: I guess, but that feels like yeah, at that point, why not just tell them to use Eldric Blast and flavor it as a Kamehameha?
1: You're not wrong.
0: I guess it's always the other problem, right? (laughs) It's like sometimes when you're like brewing up new spells, and you're just like, "Well, doesn't X?" Can I just just skin something
1: to do this?
0: Yeah, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Certainly.
1: Yeah. So maybe we'd want to just do it for like non-damage stuff or like alternate effects is what we'd want to do custom spells for, like this, because this this kind of communication spell doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, not exactly. Certainly not this flavor. Like, it's not like I could even take a sending spell and change it to this. Cause like, it's very different than anything else that is going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, and the thing is like, it's not always bad. Like sometimes you can find a novel thing. Like one thing I saw is, um, is, uh, Kauai Tornado on Twitter, uh, responded to a tweet that we made earlier today. Uh, with a custom spell that they developed. Ooh, fancy. Um, well, it's off of a wand, so they they call it the Wand of Sharknado, which, like, I'm, oh, in. I'm in already. I, I don't like this, please, no. Uh, so while holding the I've wand, I've been hurt by
1: Sharknado action. enough.
0: <laughs> you can use an action, expend a charge, uh, choose a point within 120 feet. A 10-foot-wide, 30-foot-high Sharknado uh, manifests. So, uh, for those who aren't familiar, Sharknado... The uh, hit film uh, is about a tornado. Film is a
1: strong word.
0: (laughs) It's a film with a tornado that has sharks within it. So uh, the casting times and action range 120 feet. Target a 10-foot radius, 30-foot high cylinder centered on a point within range. Duration, concentration up to a minute. So when a creature enters the spell's area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, it must make a DC strength saving throw. On a failure, it is thrown 20 feet away from the Sharknado in a random direction, taking 4d10 bludgeoning damage. On a success, the creature is not flung out, but instead takes 2d10 slashing damage from the Sharknado. On each of your turns after you cast the spell, you can use an action to move it up to 60 feet in any direction.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's something that doesn't really exist.
0: It kind of reminds me of the Whirlwind spell, which I think is like 5th level? Or something? um like that's what it definitely reminds i'm sorry seventh level because whirlwind is a very similar um is a very similar spell but with smaller damage right so that one mm-hmm. is um it's also so it's range 300 feet casting time and action concentration up to a minute um it's mm-hmm. also a 10 foot radius 30 foot high cylinder Until the spell ends, you can use an action to move it up to 30 feet in any direction along the ground. Whirlwind sucks up any medium or smaller objects that aren't secured by anything and aren't worn. So this is a 7th level spell, keep in mind. Um, A creature must make a Dexterity saving throw the first time on a turn that it enters the Whirlwind, or the Whirlwind enters its space, including when the Whirlwind first appears. A creature takes 10d6 bludgeoning damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one. In addition, larger smaller creatures that fail the save must succeed on a Strength saving throw, or become restrained by the Whirlwind until the spell ends. When a creature starts its turn restrained by the Whirlwind, the creature is pulled uh, 5 feet higher inside of it, unless the creature is at the top. A restrained creature moves within the Whirlwind and falls when the spell ends, unless the creature has some means to stay aloft. A restrained creature can use an action to make a strength or dexterity saving throw against your spell uh, spell save DC. If successful, the creature is no longer restrained by the Whirlwind and is hurled 3d6 times 10 feet away in a random direction.
1: Okay. Definitely some similarities.
0: Definitely some similarities, but it's different enough. And I asked, um, I asked them what they thought, like what spell level they thought this would be, and they they reckoned maybe around fifth. Um, Honestly, like for the damage, I could see that being the case because you're dealing potentially a lot of damage over a number of turns. Um, But Mm -hmm. like, it's not necessarily restraining anybody. It's they they have to succeed on their saving throws to not get flung around by it, and otherwise they're taking a significantly lower amount of damage. So I could honestly even see doing something like this at like fourth level. Sure. If I'm being totally honest um, But yeah I mean like this is interesting To me because it's just it's a novel spell It does something that other spells Don't do which is creates a moving Cylinder of slashing slash bludgeoning damage And it you know knocks people around
1: Yeah And honestly I would take this spell Do you want to? Um I mean I don't Know that it fits my character definitely you know i've got a very specific theme and everything outside that theme there's a very like good reason for it in character Mm. because like even this fire spell my character doesn't do fire um but you know his major magical ally in the in the multiverse only does fire so like it's the kind of thing that he'd be like can i do that can i can i work with this (laughs)
0: It's true. <laughs> it's kind of um, funny how you, you and um, you and the Bard have collaborated a fair bit more than I ever would have expected when you got when you got introduced.
1: Oh yeah, it's great. Oh, I've never enjoyed being magically inclined with another player as much as I do with Andrew.
0: <laughs> really, talk to me about that. That's interesting for you to say.
1: Um, because like. I don't generally collaborate with other people magically to do, like, unusual or uncommon things. It's kind of just, I have my magic, they have their magic, and we kind of just do our magic. Um, But Andrew and I have, um, we've, like, worked out how to, like, planeswalk without being planeswalkers. That's, that's not a thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess it's that, like... You guys are given like story opportunities to like flex your magical muscles, but it feels like you're both like like peers, like you're both equal contributors in that situation, even though he ends yeah. kind of up with the spell on his list.
1: He has the spell, but like we're both involved with making it work every time we have to go somewhere new.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess um, regarding the attun- the attuning process, right?
1: Yeah, um, because you know you've said that. Every time we do it, it kind of takes two people, and, like, now Nick can do it too, but, like, my character and Andrew's character kind of pioneered it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because, like, one thing that's interesting about the Planeswalk spell in the book is that it says you need a a tuning fork attuned to whatever plane you're going to, but there is nowhere where it says how to do that. Like, it's just a thing that you need to come across. And I wanted you guys to be able to make them. So at the time, I was like, okay, well, maybe an arcana check to do it. But like, Andrew's arcana skill is real low, like, real. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want this to be trivial. So I figured the easiest way to kind of like make it make sense in the universe is like, well, you have a perfectly good, strapping young wizard right there in your party. You guys can work it out together. Roll a couple of checks. And, you know, if your combined check is high enough, it works out.
1: Yeah. And, like, it also makes sense, because my character researches planeswalking and planeswalkers, and, like, it's a tuning fork, and he's a musician. So, like, it kind of, like, perfectly works out.
0: It really does work <laughs> well, much better than I expected it to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because I remember and like, when he
0: asked me, he's like, can I take this spell? And, like, there was a period of time where I was tempted to just say no, because, like, planeswalkers are super special. And then I decided, like, you know what? What's the harm?
1: <laughs> and here we are
0: yeah and honestly I think it makes it makes it a whole lot cooler
1: oh yeah cause like now we are collectively doing something that other planeswalkers are like how <laughs>
0: I mean, a lot of people in the universe are, are like that. But, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes it's like, no, I want to preserve the integrity of the, like, story, right? Like, what do you mean? Like, surely, if, if the Bard can figure out, then other mages should have been able to. But maybe they didn't. <laughs> that's the whole point, right? Um, like,
1: that's the thing, though. Because, yes, maybe somebody could have, and maybe somebody else has, but we're the first people to, like... Put it into practice, and we might be the first like wizard bard collaboration in this style of transportation ever.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like in the setting that we utilize, um, the setting that Andrew's character comes from is a world that doesn't utilize the color classification of magic. So it's also mm-hmm. possible, like within a story setting, I could justify and say that, like, well, the architecture that most other mages think about magic in the magic multiverse is is prohibitive to the way that you would have to think in order to develop this kind of spell.
1: Yeah. That also would make a lot of sense.
0: So, um, which I think would, because it's like, well, what color magic are you utilizing? And it's like, I don't think he'd be able to tell you.
1: Oh, he most certainly can't because, like, real talk? I don't think I can.
0: That's the thing, right? I don't like in in character. I don't think Gris would be able to tell you. Like, I don't know. He just, I just helped him with it, but he just makes it work. I I have no idea what he's doing.
1: All I know is how to attune to the world. Yeah. I know how to do that. He makes the rest of it happen. It's true. (laughs) You know, it would be great, though, because you gave Nick the ability to see what color magic is, uh, if we had him look at it. It's true. That's an idea.
0: More things to to have Nick do in game that he doesn't do. <laughs> uh
1: I wish I had that power. I'm not <laughs> even going to lie to you. I wish my character could see the colors.
0: <laughs> I kind of think that's funny that like your character like is it you that has that that wish or does Gris actually feel that to your character?
1: Uh I think I said it in character one time when he like first told me that he could do that, I was like, wait, you can do what? (laughs) Why can't I do that? How do I learn that?
0: I I like that, like, this is an ability that he takes totally for granted and your character is just a smidge, like, envious, and I think this may be the only time that he ever feels this way towards towards Nick's character. Yeah, like, that's cool. And wasted. Totally wasted on him. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far.
1: I don't think it's totally wasted, but I think he could be using it more creatively than he does.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember when he first got it, he went through a phase of asking constantly. <laughs>
1: constantly. See, I wish he was doing that now.
0: Yeah, I think he picked up that I was getting a little bit frustrated because, like, there were instances where he was, like, asking, and it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's like, do mm-hmm. we see any colors now? And it's like, no. Do we see any colors now? No. Mm. Okay, they're casting a spell. Okay, what color is it? It's like, oh, uh, okay, um... Read, I guess. Okay, like it just sometimes it just wasn't meaningful. Like it wasn't helpful information, right? Yeah. So like, I definitely got overwhelmed a little bit. And, like, I should have seen this coming. He's a new player, and I gave him a new toy. I should have seen him, seen that coming. But um, <laughs> but like nowadays, like it, you know, he hardly uses it at all. Um, I
1: think I don't. I don't know how much he thinks about it, but I think if you vocalize that he's thinking about it more than he does, I think it would greatly impact how we do things.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. It's like when like, you know, as a DM sometimes you want to mention to somebody like, hey, like, your character's thinking about this thing. <laughs> right? Um or you have uh, like an inkling of an idea.
1: I don't have ideas.
0: Yeah. I remember that's kind of what I did when Cause like your guys like air quotes plan right now is somewhat hinged on the fact that like you and Ollie are like very familiar with planes walking magic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which again like I think is a fun way to kind of like tie some of the things you your characters have been doing back into the narrative of the story. Um, mm-hmm. So like I remember when we were talking about that I like someone had said something that was kind of adjacent and I paused right there and I was like um, Andrew in that moment when they when they mentioned like backdoor you have an epiphany. You think about the spells, and you feel that if you had access to the spell circle, you could probably make a bridge with it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and even though I know that he doesn't necessarily remember this, I know that this is like, in character, this is like the plan, basically get to the spell circle, patch it in some way. And you're relying on the fact that you and Andrew could probably figure it out, and the fact that Nick's character in universe architected this spell originally the the spell circle spell originally you guys mm-hmm. are banking on the fact that between the three of you you could probably modify it to create a means for you to access the pocket dimension the pocket plane that that Charles is residing within or that Charles is kind of set up this this giant spell within right so um so that's one of those things where it's like there's no way that Andrew would ever be able to come up, well, not no way, but it's not likely that Andrew would be able to come up with that or I wouldn't expect him to, but given all the things that his character knows and the experiences that they've had, I feel personally that this would be a reasonable thing for his character to think of, and so I think that it's okay to give someone that kind of hint, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it starts to involve some like esoteric knowledge that like their character should have, but the player won't necessarily, such as like the interaction of how magic works,
1: yeah. And I definitely agree with that. There's definitely things that your character knows that you don't. Yeah, yeah. And not, like, uh, an avoiding metagame way. Like, there's straight up just actually things in-universe that you personally already do not
0: know. Yeah, like, by definition, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. this is a good instance where it's like, your character is probably, like, intimately familiar with, like, the engineering of a number of different Izit projects that Marvin, as a person, has no business knowing about, because the, the information just doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, like
1: the laser cannons I built on Kamigawa.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? Like, Marvin has no idea how the, like, magic works to make laser guns, but, like, it's reasonable to assume that Gris should, because he probably helped develop similar technologies elsewhere.
1: It's written into his backstory that he did.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I think it's okay, like as a DM, to occasionally like give someone a little bit of a hint in that respect.
1: Just hey, this is a thing that your character would know, um, that may or may not be relevant to your current situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do with that what you will. Yeah, and let the player kind of you know figure it out, right? And like mm-hmm. you can go about it a couple of different ways. I didn't want the player to like be told like this is what you think this This is the plan that you should think of but i kind of like you know gave them a little bit of breadcrumbs like it got you thinking like you're pretty familiar with the way that the spell works you reckon that you might be able to to change it in some way
1: you might be able to work with this in ways that are not very super obvious right now
0: yeah exactly and like that goes a long way towards making the like the next plot development seem less of a contrivance. Like, yes, I'm technically telling you guys what you should be doing, but it doesn't feel that way in character, necessarily, and I don't think anybody at the table necessarily feels like I told them exactly how they should resolve the problem.
1: Yeah, because you're not saying, hey, you guys should do this. You're saying, hey, Andrew, Oliver knows that he can do this with
0: the right conditions. Yeah, he anticipates it should be possible, right? Yeah. And, like, surely you guys expect there's probably going to be some skill challenge at the back end of this that may or may not work out. Oh, um, yeah,
1: we could definitely
0: fail. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could not reach there in time. And then your chance to find this, like, this whole plan hinges on the idea that you can get there before the spell goes off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which, like, you know, spoilers. That didn't work so well last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers, right? Last time we we banked on making things on time. But this also serves as a fun way to kind of, like, have your redemption arc in a way. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you were too late last time, you don't want it to be a second time. Which is why, like, I was really concerned last session when, like, the players were considering taking a long rest. Um, Again? Yeah, I know. Like, you guys just woke up not that long ago. But, like, every, I mean, you short rested at least. You, you rested for, like, an hour or two.
1: Like, we, we didn't actually do anything since our long rest. We went a little bit down and Had a small fought fight. things that didn't hurt us.
0: Yeah, but you use spell slots, guys.
1: Yeah, but still, like... (laughs) That's not the time to long rest. We didn't use all of our spell slots.
0: (laughs) You got plenty of these left over. Um, So yeah, I'm thinking, like... uh, You know, you guys definitely have a a fair bit to go. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, I still have to develop kind of what we're going to be doing necessarily for Saturday, especially knowing that it's going to be a little bit of a longer game than normal. Mm -hmm. So, we'll kind of see. But I am uh, letting you guys kind of get your level up in. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it at the beginning of the session or the end, necessarily. I haven't decided yet.
1: Okay. Well, let me know. Because if we're going to do it at the beginning, I want to actually, like, work out what I'm doing ahead of time so we can actually play for most of the session.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I know that some of the players were talking about what to do with their level up um, last Mm -hmm. time, so... Um, I told them then that it would be at the end of the session because I was anticipating at the time to get to the beginning of the, um, of the like the dungeon proper. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking more so now that since it's going to be a longer than normal session, you may actually start that dungeon. So if that's the case, I may do it at the front end of the session just so that we don't break up everything in the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I would go ahead and plan it in advance, anyways, because um, I'll, I'll we'll probably open with that.
1: Great. Now I have to think about this campaign.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's certainly a good thing. I like to think that, think that things are going fairly well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with
0: that. So, <laughs> um, boy, but uh, yeah, I, I guess the thing is too is like whenever it comes to brewing spells, one thing that I'm always struck with is like it's very difficult to come up with a new spells in my opinion because like. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want a spell that does X or Y, and it's like, there's always something else that does something very similar already. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. The, the spells that currently exist, they have kind of the knock-on effect of, like, kind of constricting creativity in that way. Where it's like... It can be difficult to, like, imagine all the other opportunities, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it.
1: Yeah. And, like, the vast majority of the things that, like, I would think to do, normally... Like, even if I was just, like, going in no expectations, I think most of the spells in 5e can be skinned in such a way that the things that I would want to do can be done with them if I tweak it a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, for instance, like, just now, I was like, oh, you know what they don't have? They don't have, like, a cloak spell in Lightning. Like, you could do a Lightning Cloak, you know? That would be really cool, in my opinion. Oh, we could just reskin Armor of this. Never mind. Or Investiture of Fire. Or Investiture of Fire. Right. Um, Or any of the other Investitures, for that matter. Um, Yeah. You know, it depends on what what kind of spell you want to do, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, even then, like, occasionally it comes up with, like, oh, that would be really cool. But the ones that I do find um, we can often do is, like, stuff that does novel things that don't get addressed in the game very often. So, like, Mm -hmm. for instance, like, you could develop a spell that, like, Instantly bakes a loaf of bread or something, like as a cantrip. Like, it just instantly cooks food, takes ingredients, transmute them into a final dish.
1: Wait. Now I want that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fire. <laughs> Hold on.
0: What spell level would that be? I feel like cantrip would be too powerful but, like, I could definitely imagine, like, a low-level transmutation spell that just takes the raw ingredients of a dish, and if you've had the dish before, can recreate it.
1: I I would make it first level. Because, like... Create water is first level, right? I think. This is not better than create water. (laughs) It's just saving you time on cooking.
0: (laughs) Which most people don't even bother with anyways. Like,
1: this is just for me
0: create or destroy water is a first level transmutation spell.
1: Yeah, like this is not better than that, like strictly not better.
0: Yeah. Like if you wanted to give it a mechanical like and this is the kind of spell where like I almost wouldn't even want to give it a mechanical benefit cuz I almost feel like that would ruin it. <laughs> like yeah, I could do it like a good berry, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, it's just it it heals you. In fact, honestly, I I could honestly just reskin good berry and just make it this. You could, however... It's not nearly as interesting.
1: (laughs) It's not doing what Goodberry
0: does. As long as it doesn't have the mechanical benefits. Like... Actually, you know what I would do? Um, hmm. Here's what I would do. So it's... um, So we'll call it, like, you know, transmute meal, right? Or transmute transmute food. Um, Meal prep, whatever you want to call it. Or whatever we'll call it, Zerkin Zerkin's quick uh, quick meal prep or something. Um,
1: I like that name. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and so you know, it's uh, you can cast it right. It's like a minute tr- uh, casting time. Transmutes the foods into it. Anybody who uh, who consumes food during a short or, long- or during a short rest um, can like can, like, roll an additional, like, uh, hit dice or something. Or maybe, like, can re-roll their hit dice once.
1: Or they can re-roll ones on their hit dice.
0: Yeah, or just they get, the, they get max
1: hit dice roll. Okay, that seems a little bit too good.
0: I don't think so. I mean, how often do you short rest?
1: I would short rest significantly more often if I had that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie to you.
0: So, like, okay, so maybe at least they can they can they can roll they can reroll ones or something or maybe just to make it easier their ones count as two
1: yeah okay I could be on board for that
0: which like that's something that like is consistent with the way that like 5e might do uh, might do that because I know they mm-hmm. do that for like elemental add up I guess you should probably check the chef fee and make sure that I haven't just recreated that uh, as a short rest you can cook special food uh, let's see you can prepare food for a number of creatures equal to four plus your proficiency mm-hmm. And the end of a short resting creature who eats this, spends one or more hit dice, regains an extra 1d8 hit points. So that's different. Although it's along the same vein.
1: Yeah, it's very similar, but also this is a spell.
0: Yeah, and that's a feat. So, they're very different. Also, um, why haven't you taken this feat?
1: Honestly, didn't know it was one.
0: Tasha's collagen of everything, guys. Increases your con or your wisdom by plus one while you do it. Oh, you get should a probably take that. Proficiency with cook's utensils if you don't already have it. You get the I short rest ability, and then with one hour of work, when you finish a long rest, you can cook a number of treats equal to proficiency bonus. These special treats last eight hours after being made. A creature can use a bonus action to eat one and gain temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus.
1: Mm. I don't hate that.
0: I now have the mental image of you making dog biscuits and giving them to Nick. I would. <laughs> Here, <laughs> eat this. What's it do? Five temporary hit points. Okay. Good puppy. (laughs) (laughs) What?
1: Uh, Didn't say anything.
0: (laughs) Damn it, why'd you say that?
1: (laughs) Because that's what Gris would say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good puppy. What? Didn't say anything. What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) Just like, I'll show you who's Khaleesi Doggo now. (laughs)
1: oh i hate that name
0: (laughs) it was so bad
1: (laughs) i hated it so much
0: i got rid of the dog because of it
1: i believe you
0: i put in the sword because i got tired of tracking it to be honest
1: i don't blame you at all (laughs)
0: oh goodness I i
1: hated that name
0: the name was, was not great. He was definitely way more attached to the dog than I expected. I should have seen it coming. Again, I should have seen it coming is like <laughs> I don't know why would I thought otherwise.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's fair.
0: Look, man, I was just coming up with a with a boon on the top of my head. I didn't know what else to do. Dog seemed like don't a good blame start.
1: You. I don't blame you one bit.
0: It's hard to do sometimes when people do things that you don't expect. So, like, here, the he's like, oh, I'm just going to offer my blood as a sacrifice to this deity. Oh,
1: no. Just Are you sure you should be doing that? No. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't have anything else to offer, so I'll offer my servitude. Wait, what? <laughs> just like, Sir? I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. Are you okay? I was way too willing to do that. Way too willing.
1: Just... Yeah, I don't need my blood. I don't need body autonomy or anything. Jeez. Uh. But now that you mention that, why isn't
0: he a warlock? Honestly, if he wanted to take levels for it, they would have let him. Now I want him to be a warlock. I mean, he passed his, uh, his pact on to John, so John's a warlock now, technically.
1: Oh. That's good for John.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's not had to use any of his warlock powers yet.
1: Can he do Eldritch Blast, but skin it as spiders?
0: Uh, I hadn't thought about it. I don't think I gave him that spell.
1: I want him to shoot spiders out of his fingertips that just bite people. <laughs> like, instead of doing force damage, it does piercing damage, and it's just spiders biting people.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I've just been using his old character sheet because I hadn't really decided on what style of Warlock to make him.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I feel like Pact of the... I don't know what Pact I would even give him, to be honest, but...
1: Oh, I have no idea. I just want him to do Eldritch Blasted Spiders.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Maybe Pact of the (laughs) Celestial or something. Sure. Maybe I'll just make a new Pact for him. Pact of the Fiend didn't seem quite right.
1: I didn't hear that. You said Pat and then cut out.
0: Pact of the Fiend seems alright. Um I could reskin that for my Agent of Knights Reach.
1: Yeah. I mean like just like with everything else we've been talking about. Doesn't have to be exactly anything. This is an NPC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mostly I just like the idea of him having a few of these abilities. Like Dark One's blessing, so when you reduce a creature to zero hit points, you gain temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level.
1: That seems useful.
0: Yeah, especially for someone like like him that hits like a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has you know Hurl through Hell, maybe. I like that. That's probably what I'll do. But yeah, so given uh, given that, uh, I'd probably look through and see. Maybe I'll probably pick a couple of indications or something. For him to pick up, uh, maybe I'll give him the pact of the. I feel like I should give him pact of the chain and make it a spider. Uh
1: yes. Let's. You know what? That's now what I want from him.
0: <laughs> it's like it's just it's a shadowy spider that just is like you know you didn't notice it beforehand but now that you do you're just like uh hey John yeah is that oh that's nothing it's the myogen it's no biggie ah.
1: Uh. Maybe I only notice it because I died.
0: Maybe, honestly, would make sense. One thing I should uh, I should probably do is sh- I should probably pick a couple of good indications, like Devil's Sight, for instance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Probably a good good one to give him. Yeah. So I'll probably pick a couple of of uh, invocations just to to give him a, a couple of abilities that like are very clearly um, myogen adjacent. One with shadows, for instance. Area of light, uh, dim light, or darkness. You can use an action to become invisible. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, there's a few, a few good ones, right? But we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll spend some time thinking about it and figure out kind of what makes sense, what doesn't.
1: Maybe I'll take more warlock levels.
0: That is an option. Uh, what level of warlock are you?
1: I think I'm. Three? Second level, third level, maybe. Um, I think third.
0: That sounds right. So technically, if you hit fourth, you could take take a, a chef feet,
1: Oh, because
0: that would be fourth level. Warlock would be your ASI. I
1: don't hate this idea. Additionally, you I get really...
0: a new cantrip known plus a new spell known.
1: However, I don't think I could take cinders. Uh, because uh, it has to be a level a spell of a level cast. you can cast as a warlock, right? Uh,
0: yeah. So,
1: or but... a level of warlock. Yeah, cast as a warlock.
0: Yeah, it would. So, that would be, what, second level? Yeah. Yeah, that would be be a hindrance.
1: Great. Now I have to actually make decisions. This is
0: awful. Well, what level wizard is it going to be? 11. Don't you get an ASI at 12?
1: Yes. But now the decision is, do I want the... The ASI, or do I want the spell for next level?
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's true. Um, I guess one way to also think about it too is like you know if you if you wanted you could do the the, the, the like you know uh, chef zirkin's, you know chef's kiss or whatever spell for the first level and take that as a warlock and just make this warlock level your chef level
1: but I really want Cinder Speak.
0: Cinder Speak. is a fun one.
1: Like, it's also the thing that prompted this whole conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah it's true. That it is true. So at 11th level, you just get a, what, What two new spells, I think?
1: I said, yeah, I think so.
0: Well, then you can get both. You get both the chef spell and cinderspeak. Two custom spells for you.
1: Yes. But like I said, I have to decide between the Chef Feet and the Spell. Yeah. I'm probably gonna take the spells.
0: The spells are pretty good. Also, eleventh level would technically be the first time you can get sixth level spells as a wizard. hmm So like maybe if you don't want to do two custom spells, you could do one custom spell plus like one of those six you know, sixth level spells, which you know, of which there are many good ones.
1: Maybe I'll take Cinder Speak, and, and then the following level I take a Warlock level and get the Chef spell and the Chef.
0: I think that would probably be a good plan. And then the other thing, too, is... Because um, I think that means this level you can pick up 6-level spells, is that right? If you do Wizard? Yeah. So you could pick up Chain Lightning.
1: Ooh, I could get Chain Lightning. That is a thing I can do. Wait, I don't have to learn Chain Lightning. You don't? Because I have a scroll. I can copy the scroll into my spell book.
0: Oh, you can. That's right. If you, after this level up, you can do that.
1: I, I've been keeping the scroll so I could copy it into
0: my spell book. <laughs> Very good. Very good. There's a lot of really strong spells at 6th level, though, um, that you could easily pick up for that purpose. Like any of the investitures, for instance. So, I mean, yeah, it's good if you want to hold on to the chain lightning scroll. Um, but what you could do is you could make an investiture of lightning
1: i could do that and it would make sense because i've seen andrew do Investor of fire like a hundred times
0: it definitely does make sense there's also a lot of other really strong six level spells you could pick up like tensor's mm-hmm. transformation Ooh, do you know that one
1: no but it sounds spicy
0: it's an action concentration up to 10 minutes Now, I have to read it in this voice, because otherwise the spell doesn't make sense. You endow yourself with the endurance and martial prowess fueled by magic. Until the end of the spell, you can't cast spells, and you gain the following benefits. You gain 50 temporary hit points. If any of these remain when the spell ends, they are lost. You have advantage on attack rolls you make with simple and martial weapons. When you hit a target with a weapon attack, that target takes an extra 2d12 force damage. You have proficiency with all armor, shields, simple and martial weapons. Proficiency with strength and constitution saving throws. And you can attack twice instead of once when you take the attack action on your turn. You ignore this benefit if you already have a feature, such as extra attack. That would give you another attack. Immediately after the spell ends, you must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw, or suffer suffer one level of exhaustion.
1: Ooh. That seems like something that would be very helpful to current gris.
0: So you hulk out. The downside is you have to burn a turn to cast it.
1: Still... New melee Gris would very much like that.
0: It's an option. You have a, a few different, uh, a few different really cool spells that you could pick up here um, at sixth level, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a cool trump. <laughs> yeah, just surprise, surprise! I'm gonna crush you. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> oh, I don't like that now. <laughs> but I'm I just imagining that scene from from Rick and Morty
1: <laughs> with oh.
0: Summer and Rick.
1: Hated you. <laughs> <laughs> but now
0: I am too. That's a good one. You could also pick up, you know, some necromancy spells, right? Soul Cage, for instance. Um, Planner Ally. No, that's a cleric spell. Never mind. Mental Prison. Mm. Magic Jar. Eh? If your body fails.
1: <laughs> mm, I could. Mm. These are options.
0: Yeah. Again, like, there's the. You can make a Investiture of Lightning. That's a spell that would make sense for your character to develop, right? You know, so there's some things in here that you could definitely do as a 6th level, um, if you take your sixth, your level of Wizard, in addition to the Cinder Speak spell, since I think as a Wizard you get two new spells, right?
1: That sounds right. Um, let me look.
0: Yeah. You can get Globe of Invulnerability. I think they have that. It's on your stick.
1: Yeah, that. That's good enough. I only need it once.
0: <laughs> um actually no it so global invulnerability is actually a little bit different you have it's a slightly different spell i think
1: you're right it's not global invulnerability
0: that i have it's um oh it's done <laughs> it's not on your sheet
1: uh resilience sphere there it is
0: yeah that's it that's so, the one i have yeah so global invulnerability i also know that
1: spell by the way
0: oh okay it's just it's not on your stick you know it too it it is both because it was uh from
1: the the Lich's spell books
0: Oh okay cool <laughs> Um, so, globe of Invulnerability is concentration up to a minute, one action to cast, self, 10-foot radius. An immobile, faintly shimmering barrier springs into existence in a 10-foot radius around you. Any spell of 5th level or lower cast from outside the barrier can't affect creatures or objects within it, even if the spell cast is using a higher level spell slot. Such a spell can target creatures or objects within the barrier, but the spell has no effect on them. Similarly, the area within the barrier is excluded from the areas of such spells. At higher level, when you cast a spell spell slot 7th or higher, the barrier blocks one level higher for each spell slot above sixth.
1: Hmm. So okay. you, you can just
0: blank your, yourself in a small area from certain levels of magic. Like a pretty wide swath, actually, of, of spells.
1: That's aggressive. Uh,
0: Fizzband's Platinum Shield. I've never seen this spell before in my life, but now I'm going to read it. <laughs> you create a field of silvery light that uh, surrounds a creature of your choice within range. You can choose yourself the field uh, sheds a dim light out to five feet. While surrounded, the creature gains the following benefits. Half cover, damage resistance uh, to acid, cold, fire, lightning, and poison damage, and evasion. Uh, If the creature is subjected to an effect that allows a dexterity saving throw to take half damage, they instead take no damage on a success and half damage on a failure. As a bonus action on subsequent turns, you can move the field to another creature within 60 feet. That's a bonus action. Hmm. That seems good. That's a bonus action. And other than the the uh, material components, that is a very strong uh, defensive option that wizards don't normally have. You don't normally get to play that kind of defense.
1: hmm And you know what? I still won't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's on brand for your character, but there's definitely a few here that are definitely a lot closer to to on brand. So I don't
1: know. I'll have to take a look.
0: Yeah, but I think this is a good opportunity for you to, to maybe get some, some neat spells. I mean, even if you do end up going with, like, Transformation, which I think is on brand... Um mm-hmm. for like kind of where your character's been going. If you end up doing like, you know, brewing a high level uh, lightning spell like Investor of Lightning or something, I think that would also make sense. Because you could easily because again, you're doing pre- uh, passive lightning damage, and if you're doing that in a small field around you, then that makes sense to you know for melee options as well. Yeah. But uh with that, I think we're gonna go ahead and call it a show. Uh we're a little bit later than norm. But um, you know, after a long episode last week, I think we have to readjust uh you know kind of normal time frames yeah
1: yeah we we should uh we should try to keep those extra long episodes few and far between i think
0: yeah yeah every once in a blue moon so um with that thank you everybody for joining us uh as always you can catch us uh you know every new episode on sundays Uh, i have them uploading around 11 o'clock in the morning eastern time so hopefully going to be able to stick to that schedule but definitely on sundays uh, you can follow the podcast at TIAFA Podcast uh, on Twitter. You can always catch up with uh, either Marvin or myself on the Discord. You can join that. There'll be a link to that in the uh, description of the episode, of course. Uh, you can catch us on the major uh, podcast players. And, uh, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at VladVever, Marvin is at Taiugetsu. Uh And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, everybody.